It's been a while since you felt fully at home in your faith. It's not that you don't love Jesus or that you're not hungry to grow spiritually and to know truth, but you can't shake this looming question inside of you. Can I really trust him? It's sad because the last couple of years of hardship and trials have left you a little roughed up. And in many ways, you felt abandoned, neglected, like you've had to do it on your own. You've walked through the hardest of seasons, and the enemy has been right there whispering in your ear that Jesus has abandoned you, that he's never coming back. The word that comes to mind that the enemy has been playing with is orphan, that you are an orphan in the family of faith. But I know that you are hungry for more, that you want to come back to Jesus and not have this distance between you anymore. You want to trust him. If you could just move that question to the side. See, love, if you want to see the greater things of the kingdom of God, to experience Jesus more intimately, to know his word more deeply, you're going to have to run into this thing face first. This moment right now is your homecoming. This broadcast is for the one coming back home. Welcome to For the One. This broadcast is for the one coming back home. And I'm just wondering, when was the last time you felt like you were home? Like a healthy, love-filled, peaceful home. For so many of us, I think we're still processing the pandemic and being stuck at home. And so thinking about going home is full of anxiety or that fear of isolation. But When I talk about home, I mean that feeling of peace, a feeling of being seen and belonging, being protected and cared for. And I really feel like you're right there. And whether you're in the process of coming home or you just long to come home, I I feel like this message today, this broadcast could really encourage you. And I think it could even prompt you with that first or second step in that journey to come back home. And so if you're new here, you're new to my voice. I am Laura Dudek. I am, I'm the host of For the One, um, but I'm a Bible study author, Christian speaker, founder of Ruah and Ember Women's Ministry based in Cleveland, Ohio. And my heart is to disciple women leaders this next generation of women, bringing them up in the Lord and providing spaces for them to encounter Jesus. That is my heart. And so this podcast is, is a part of that heart to equip you, to see you, to empower you specifically as a leader, because you love Jesus and you have a calling on your life and you know it. And sometimes life just gets hard. Faith gets hard and you need someone to be in it with you. And as a seasoned woman of faith and as a leader in ministry for many years, my heart is to essentially take the pages of my journal, <laughs> bring it to the podcast and, and show you like, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, you know, I pray that that can be an encouragement to you. So I will probably 
get emotional. So that gives you permission to be emotional. That's what I always say in my ministry. If I start crying, it's permission for you to start crying. I am not embarrassed of tears at all. Um, And I want to share with you some scripture, but two specific stories of my life in the past year. Because if you've listened to any of the podcast episodes so far, I've been kind of deep diving into the last couple of years for us in the Dudak home. And it's been, it's been hard. (laughs) We've had, you know, a failed, I guess you could say, just an incomplete house hunt. We've had a baby. We've watched um, my my husband's mother get diagnosed and then pass away from cancer uh, on top of pandemic and coming back to in, into real life again. And so it's been really hard over here. And with that has come a lot of tension and Jesus and I's relationship. And so I want to kind of peel back for you what that's looked like so that if you're in that same place, you can know, number one, you're not alone. I definitely do not think you are alone. But also, maybe you just need someone to say the things that have been on your heart that you never were able to have the words for and to have someone model, I guess, what it looks like to bring that to Jesus and then have him sort through the nitty gritty hardship with you. And trust me, (laughs) that is like the story of my life. So we are going to go there today. And so for the one coming back home, just a few weeks ago, I was in church and our pastor, Andy, was talking about um, the first shall be last, this whole message. And it was interesting because at the end of it, I've never had this moment in church like this before when I could feel the Holy Spirit so intensely And the word he gave me was orphan. And I started processing that. Like, what does that mean, Lord? You know, that that we have spiritual orphans right now. And I know it's a very heavy word to use. And you may be like, I don't feel like that. But but give me a second. Give me a second to explain this, okay? So here's the thing. We're in a time unlike what many of us have ever seen before. Like there is revival happening. People of faith are waking up. Like I've been talking about this on the podcast. I firmly believe like we're going to see Jesus move like we've never seen him move in this time. Like there is a harvest coming. Like he wants to do miracles. He wants to do signs. He wants um, his, his Holy Spirit to be active in and amongst his believers. Like I just am so excited for this season. But we stand in this place that's between revival And the hardship of what we've walked through in the last couple of years. And the sense that I have is that there are a lot of women right now who feel spiritually orphaned. And by that I mean there is a spirit of anxiety, isolation, feeling hopeless for the future. Maybe there is that sense that I've just been completely abandoned by God. Like he doesn't care He's just watched me walk through everything the last couple of years, and he's kind of just been there like laissez-faire, hands off. I'm not going to do anything about it. And so it's, it's created in you this mentality of, like, I can do it on my own, and almost stiff-arming God of, like, I can do it. I've got it. I can, I can do it on my own. And with that, there's been this self-preservation that's come up, and you're fighting for like for spiritual scraps. You're fighting to just be territorial and to hoard what you have out of the fear 
of not being taken care of, not being provided for, not being seen, and ultimately having the, the ultimate rejection. And we walk through hard things and you've walked through really hard things. And what you have endured has been challenging. Can we just say that? Like I'm, we, we can't dismiss that the last couple of years have been so hard. And at the same time, what you have endured has made you distrusting of God because you felt like he abandoned you. He rejected you. He left you to drown. And what I feel right now is that the biggest theft from the enemy is the undermining of our trust that God's heart is for us, that he has goodness for us. And the orphan mentality says that we have to fear. We, we are on our own. We have to hoard what we have because what we have is never enough. And what we have will actually be taken from us. And I think about <laughs> the very beginning of the pandemic. I mean, for goodness sakes, we were flipping hoarding toilet paper. And I think that's really the start of this. You know, we had this big pandemic, this shutdown that happened. And all of a sudden, we became like orphans feeling like, oh my gosh, am I ever, am I going to have enough? And so we just start hoarding all of these things. And we feel like, well, am I, am, am I really taken care of? Am I really provided for? Is God really going to show up? Did God watch me just lose family members and faith and communities and jobs and finances? Did he just watch me go through all of that and just hands off? I'm not going to do anything about it. And so it created in us this orphan mentality, which ultimately undermines the feeling of security in a faith home, feeling like we are home in Jesus. I don't know if any of this is hitting home, but this is my journey <laughs> in a podcast, in, a, in an episode. But here's the thing. You're waking up right now. And so you know that the scarcity mindset, the anxiety that you've felt, the fear that has been ruling you isn't, isn't the Lord of your life. You know that. And you're starting to hunger for more. Like you are hungry spiritually. You want more of God. You want to see revival and you want to experience the Holy Spirit. You want to hear God's voice. Like you want it. And so you're not rejecting the desire for it, but you don't know how to process standing between the revival and the hardship. And because right now the gap you're feeling is that orphan mindset. It's feeling like you've been spiritually abandoned. And so you want to see him work. You're longing to see him work, but you can't actually let him into your heart, into those deepest layers of pain. But there is a shift happening right now. And the shift, I even felt it really strongly on Friday. Like it was one of those senses that you're like, I can't contain this. I feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin. And it was that, you know, we've been talking a lot about the pain of the last couple of years. And there's been this hyper focus on it. But I feel like what the Lord is saying is that it's time for new wineskins. It's time for a new narrative. 
it's a time to stop repeating that old narrative of this is bad. It was, it was forever bad. Like it's time for a new hope to lay hold of a new thing. It's time for that new season. And so how do we do that? You're like, yes. And amen, Laura. I, yes, I can say yes to that all day long, but how, so how do we lay hold of a new thing? How, how is it time right now for me to embrace that good is about to happen? If we want to embrace everything that God has, we can't just say, okay, it's time to stop talking about the old, the old narrative, to let go of the last couple of years. In this episode, in this broadcast, I want us for a second to run face first into the old narrative. But this may be that moment for you of facing the last couple of years, knowing that when you face it, you're actually embracing the freedom to lay hold of a new thing. Because if we're going to lay hold of that new thing, if we're going to see God work, if you are going to see God work, if you are going to embrace your calling, if you're going to see redemption in your life, you have to come back home. We need to face Jesus. And all the fears of being abandoned, all those lies that said he wasn't going to come back for you, that he wasn't going to take care of you, that he left you for dead, left you in your hardship, we have to face that. So, John 14, this is where the Lord keeps taking me time and time again as I've been praying for you. I just really feel like this is the scripture for you. And so John 14, the title in my translation is Jesus Comforts His Disciples. What a great title, right? But it's so appropriate because literally in the last two chapters, Jesus is talking all about his betrayal and his death. So he's preparing the disciples for him to leave. The quote-unquote ultimate abandonment. And so the disciples have been following in his shadow for this, for his entire ministry. They've been close on his heels, watching him work, watching him relate to people, copying his moves, imitating him. And all of a sudden, this man that they've followed, they're, they're hearing all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to be betrayed, killed, and I'm no longer going to be here with you any longer. So you can imagine what's going on in their minds. Like it's this foreboding thought of we are going to be utterly abandoned. What do we do now? Who, do, who are we supposed to follow? And who's going to take care of us? Who's going to keep us safe? Who's going to do the miracles? Who's going to do the preaching? What, like there's all these questions that they have ultimately pointing to we are now going to be abandoned. And so chapter 14 picks up. In verse one, I love this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, right? It's like that moment of like the oversimplification of a very painful problem in our lives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has plenty of room. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Verse five, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you really know me, you know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I love this next part. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Pausing there for a second. Jesus literally calls out the issue in the disciples. He literally says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, also trust in me. And later on in verse 27, he actually says, it's the peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so Jesus literally calls out to them. Listen, I know you feel like you're going to be abandoned. I know you feel like you're, you're swirling a little bit and you're going to have like the floor drop out from under you, but don't be troubled. That word troubled is actually um, to cause an inner commotion. So if you can just imagine like chaos inside of these men, it means to make restless. But it also is to render anxious or distressed. And in verse 27 specifically, it's the trouble of heart. And that trouble of heart is to affect with great pain or sorrow. And so we have these men who are troubled, who have this inner commotion, this anxiety and this stress, this pain and the sorrow. And Jesus pinpoints it and he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And he connects these two ideas that when you feel those things, when you feel that anxiety, that, that grief and the sorrow feeling like, okay, the floor is going to drop out from underneath me, it is often that, that orphan mindset. The feeling that the one who is there to be your father is not actually going to take care of you, who is not actually going to provide security, who's not going to provide you what you need, who's not going to be there as a protector or a provider. And so he's associating these, this fear with the orphan mindset. And the disciples' question here is, you know, where, where are you going and, and where is the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. 
In this line, verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. See, their whole problem is that the Father isn't there. They don't have their Father. They don't have a connection to the Father. They don't feel like they know the Father. And that's the heart of these men is like, I, we need to be taken care of. We need to be provided for. We need to have a way and a guide. And where are we going? Where's the direction in this? And Jesus literally tells them, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've met me, you've met the Father. And my works are a full display of that. And at the very end of this passage in verse 12, he literally says, if you have faith in me, you're going to do even greater things than I did. And there's this connection again. This is why I love Jesus so much because it just connects all of these pieces that we sense in the world spiritually going on right now. And it's like, we want to see greater things right now. Like you want to see greater things right now. You want to see miracles. You want to like step into your calling like you've never stepped into it before. You want to take leaps of faith. You want to get back to dreaming. You want to see God work in a way that's like Asbury Revival, but within your hometown. You want that. But at the same time, the greater works is associated with the connection and the relationship that you have with the Father. And so if you have this distrust, this fear of abandonment, this fear of God is not going to take care of me. He doesn't see me. He's just abandoned me. You are not going to walk into the greater things. That's what it means to come back home. It means that you would come back into the relationship with Jesus again and trust that he hasn't abandoned you. You are not an orphan. And the enemy's lie has been to you that you've been orphaned and that what you've endured, the hardship of the last couple of years has been this proof, if you will, the enemy is telling you that God doesn't care, that he doesn't have your back, that he's just left you and called it his will. That's the enemy. And right now you're standing in a moment that is so crucial. It is so vital that you face those lies in order to pave a whole new narrative and a whole new intimacy with God. Because Jesus himself said, I will not leave you orphaned. I will come to you. Just getting a little vulnerable in my own journey. Switching back over to Mark. Mark 4, 35 to 40. When Jesus calms the storm, I feel like I'm like, like sitting back in my chair right now to like get vulnerable, right? It's that moment. Um, there was a moment in the last year that I felt really numb to my, that intimate relationship with God. And I had come to this point, especially in the house searching process, like I felt like I had all these promises and all of these prayer requests that were just out there and I felt like God really abandoned me and in the midst of learning that my mother-in-law had cancer and had not even like two months to live and being pregnant I think I was four months pregnant five months pregnant when we found out with their first grandson and our first child And I was reading through a book called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, and she did this exercise going through Mark 4, and it was this exercise to imagine yourself 
in this situation with the disciples in the boat and just seeing what God had. And she specifically described this breath, breath prayer that you'd work through. So Mark 4, 35, just simply says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, that's Jesus, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The other disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I read this scripture in the middle of my own personal storm. And I remember feeling this so heavy on my heart. And I just imagined myself as like the hard worker that I am, right? In the boat with Jesus and the waves are crashing. Like just imagining that scene, like waves are crashing over you. It's like the perfect storm, the movie, right? When you feel completely out of control and you can't help the the elements around you and you're just trying to take these little buckets of water and trying to like remove it you know to clear the boat out of the water but it's never enough and you feel like no matter how many buckets I I move how many buckets of water I dump out it's never enough because we're we're going down and I remember in that that scene praying through this and looking at Jesus and just being like don't you care like the disciples don't you care if I drown because I feel like you don't and I remember seeing Jesus and him just calmly sitting there. And, you know, at, at, in my imagination, it was like he'd woken up and was like looking at me and watching me frantically trying to save myself, frantically trying to get through this storm. And it was almost at that time feeling like it was a mockery of myself, that it was like, it's just kind of funny that you're you're just working so hard and you're going through so much. And Jesus is just kind of watching. And that cry from my heart of like, don't you care if I drown? And I just feel like there's so many women out there who feel like that. Don't you care if I drown? I don't know if you said that to him in the last couple of weeks, but, or even, you know, months or the last year, maybe it sums up perfectly for you of like, yeah, like, I just don't feel like he cared that I was drowning. Was he with me? Did he even step in to like grab a bucket or, you know, to lift my arm when I was so like had such muscle fatigue? Like, did he even, was he even there with me in it? And so this, this breath prayer was two pieces just really simply and the first was it's just two words the first was what is the name of god that's most meaningful for you to, meaningful to you right now what is the name of god that is the most meaningful to you right now and the word the name that hit me that actually really surprised me was father and then the next question is now what do you need from him 
my answer was help. So the breath prayer was just a simple father help. And that's what got me through that season. I'm just thinking and praying to my father for help. Father help. Father help. And I never even realized that he was trying to wake up my heart again of like, I am your father and I do have you. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't abandoned you. I'm not sitting on the sideline just finding joy in your pain. I'm not mocking you for the tizzy that you're in, for the, for the chaos that you're feeling right now. I'm a good father. And I do provide help. That last word in this passage is, do you still have no faith? And that word faith actually translates to believe. It's synonymous. And that word faith is the same word that's in John 14. When he says, do you not let your hearts be troubled? Trust in God. Trust also in me. And so it's that same word that says, are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe in me? Or are you going to believe in the power of the storm around you? Are you going to believe that that fear and that swirling chaos is going to consume you so much that you can't trust and believe that I am a good father who has your protection in mind? Because he literally says in the next verse, my father's house has plenty of room. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to provide a place for you. And so he's describing this spiritual house and he's like, I'm preparing everything for you. Like I'm preparing that place for you to have complete provision. That's what it's saying is that I have the provision enough for you, whatever that enough is, whether it's enough finances, enough relationship, enough reconciliation, enough healing for your heart, enough trust, enough peace. I have enough for you in my house. So you don't have to fear, just trust. And that's the question I have to ask you right now. And this is what I had to ask myself so many times, so many times. Just look through my journals. You will see it over and over again is do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him? Countless times all throughout my journals in the past year and a half, the big number one question was, how do I trust you, God? I want to trust you. But if I'm honest, I don't. That was scattered all throughout my journals. It was that heart cry of, okay, I want to trust you. I want to trust you that you have provision, that you have not abandoned me. I want that. I want more of you and more of your kingdom. Like I, that is my heart cry, but I just am not there. I am struggling. And I have a sense that that's where you're at right now. Like, all this sounds great, Laura. Like, this is where I'm at. Like, this is definitely what I've been feeling. Like, I want that more, but I don't know how to actually trust him in light of this flipping storm, this torrential downboard that I just walked through. How do I actually trust? The verse 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That word peace 
is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew shalom. Some people are familiar with that word shalom peace. And it actually means a wholeness and a tranquility unaffected by outward pressures or circumstances. It's an inner peace. It's an inner wholeness that rules us to the point that it creates this calmness and a stability even in the face of trauma, especially in the face of trauma, in the face of upsetting circumstances or unnerving um, life situations. When you feel like you're in that nerve wracking place and up against all of the pressure, right? That, that peace of God is what creates that calmness, that inner stability, the inner tranquility. So he's not just saying, oh, peace, like, you know, the, the peace that the world gives, which is temporary and fleeting. It's based on rationale and logic. He's like, it, it surpasses all of that. It's not like that. The peace I give you is an inner calm and a belief that I have you, regardless of what your circumstances say, regardless of the pressure that you're feeling on the outside. How do we get that peace? Through the Holy Spirit. Because he literally says in verse 15 all the way up to verse 26, he's talking about the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who is from the Father, who will give you that peace. And Hebrew, in Galatians 5, 22, he actually says the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So when we have the Holy Spirit, that's when we have this peace. So, and that was a gift from the Father. So Jesus left the disciples with, so Jesus left the disciples and they're wondering, where do we go? And he's saying, okay, if you want to see the father, you have seen him because I'm in him and he's in me. And then when I leave, I'm sending you someone better. So we are then sending you, Jesus and, and God, the father are sending you the Holy Spirit and he will give you the peace that in the face of everything that you walk through, you will continue to walk through hardship. You will continue to walk through suffering. You will continue to feel like you don't know where you're going, but the Holy Spirit will give you all truth, all protection. He will give you the peace that will guard your heart so that you can walk through all of those things with stability and tranquility. And I feel like that's the word you need to hear today is that if you want to walk into greater things with the Lord, you want to walk through healing and restoration. You want to go like in this glory to glory moment this year, it's going to start right now with you accepting that the Holy Spirit is a gift for you. And that is peace. And that comes on behalf of your heavenly father who said, I will not leave you. I will not leave you orphaned. You are not an orphan. The enemy would love, love to make you believe that you have been abandoned forever and that the God is never coming back for you and you are forgotten and therefore you have to keep fighting for table scraps and you have to keep doing it on your own and, and yet you're like walking out this weird faith line, right? That you're like, okay, I want faith and I want to be back in church and I want to come home to him, but like, I don't know if I trust him. I'm not really sure. And the enemy wants you to believe that that's how it's always going to be, that there's always going to be this inner conflict and you're not going to know how to trust God again. But this season right now, this time, this precipice transitional time in your life is about coming back to Jesus and saying, okay, I trust you. I believe in you. That you have not abandoned me. And in fact, you've given me something even better. The Holy Spirit. 
who will give me the peace that I can continue to walk through this hardship and feel a calmness that is unlike what the world has ever seen. I can say that in the last few years, this has really summarized what I've been feeling. It was that, am I drowning? Do you care? I want more, but I don't know how to trust. And so I just kept crying out. I just kept saying, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. I don't trust you, but I want to trust you. And just within the last couple of months, I'm telling you, Jesus has completely blown me away. There was a moment early this January when it all kind of came to a head. And it was in the morning. I was still like bathrobed up. Hudson was napping. I was taking a few minutes and I always listen to, you know, sermons and whatnot whenever, you know, I have moments in the morning by myself. And this morning I was listening to um, a, a female preacher. That's a whole other story. That's a total God story, by the way. So we were, I was listening to this preacher and she was just talking about dreaming again, hoping again. And even though we want to continue to stay in the past of pain, we have to start hoping. We have to start turning the page. And so she actually has this time of prayer and she starts praying over people. And, you know, I'm just kind of like witnessing as, as like a bystander in my robe in the living room. And I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden there was just this connect because she said, believe in God anyway. Believe what he says. And even though you've walked through pain, believe in him anyway, trust him anyway. And there was this whole moment when I literally got on my knees and I was just like, okay, Lord, like, let's just do this. We're going to, we're going to go for it. And so I'm getting on my knees and she's praying and obviously there's like music playing and it's that whole moment. And I just, I did not expect this to happen that day, but I was on my knees and I was just crying out to God of like, Lord, like I want to dream again and I want to hope again and I want to feel like myself again and I want to feel like we're together again. I feel like this disconnect from you for so long, like I've wanted you, but I feel like you've always just been so far from me that I haven't been able to like really come into close contact with you. I've been like stiff arming you this whole whole time in fear that I can't trust you with my heart again. And so there is that moment of like, I want you, but I just don't know. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you're actually going to be there for me. And so there is that whole tension playing out. And I kid you not, like I just have my eyes closed. I'm sobbing. And I felt like I saw him just come really close and give me this huge hug. And it was this moment that I felt like, you know, that, that point when you've been like fighting with a significant other or a spouse for a long time. And it's like this anger and this hostility has come between you. And even though you've hugged, you know, recently, it's always kind of half-hearted and it's really guarded. And this was the first moment that I had with Jesus in a long time that I felt like all the guards were just done. And it was that reconciliation hug with, with your spouse when it's like you kind of just both forfeit and you're like, okay, we move on. And it just felt like in that hug, he was, he, it was just like a wiping away of like, 
Okay. We've walked through hard things. It's okay. It's done. And we move forward. And it was just like this true, like, no record of wrong moment. And so I'm having that. I'm like crying, like imagining myself in the embrace of Jesus. And it felt like that coming back home, like the prodigal son of like, okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm here. And you're not mad at me. You're not shunning me. You're not judging me. I'm just here. And you've been waiting this whole time. And then quickly it shifted. And he actually sat down, crisscross, crisscross applesauce, and he invited me to sit on his lap. And when I'm, when I'm sitting on his lap, he like takes off these, I have these like earmuffs on and he takes them off. He puts my hair behind my ear and I had this like gold earring on. And he starts to whisper to my ear, in my ear. And he said, I'm telling you God's secrets. And he literally starts like lining people up in front of me and starts like praying for them. And I'm telling you, you talk about reconciling relationship with God and then immediately seeing the greater things that Jesus talks about. That was this moment for me. Because I have been reignited in prayer for women. Like people have told me on this podcast how much the prayers mean to them. They're like, I just, the prayers are like, it just gets me. It's straight on. It's like you literally described me. I'm telling you right now. It's because I know that Jesus told me, like, I'm telling you God's secrets. Like I'm telling you what to pray for people. I'm telling you, like I have direct access, like from, from God's heart to these women. And it all started that day. That was like the catalytic moment. And it started, I mean, years before that of just crying out to God. of like, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. I'm here. I'm still trying. We're still going. And then it took one moment, one moment for Jesus to say, okay, here we are. And you know what he said after that? He said, welcome home. I feel like right now you need to hear, welcome home. And you've been craving that moment with Jesus. It's like that coming back and feeling like, okay, I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm not on my own anymore. I trust you again. And there's this like wiping of the record of what you've walked through, a forgiveness of the past, of yourself and him. And this walking forward of, okay, you're moving forward. We're good. You think about the true love of a father. And I know we read all the time 1 Corinthians 13. And it talks about love. But I want to read it and I want to I want to I want to read this um commentary this gentleman who it's called Sparkling Gems and he talks about Greek and Hebrew translations but um chapter 13 verse 4 Love is patient, love is kind does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In Sparkling Gems, Rick Renner talks about this love and he says, Paul goes on to mention the 12th characteristic of agape love, saying that love believeth all things. The word believeth is actually the word pistuo, which is the Greek word meaning to put one's faith or trust in something or someone. The tense used in the Greek text lets us know that this is a constant, continuous entrusting of one's faith in something or someone, involving a never give up kind of belief that something will turn out the very best. In light of this, the Greek phrase could actually be taken to mean that love believes the best in every situation. Don't misunderstand. Agape love isn't stupid, nor is it blind. It sees everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But because agape is so filled with faith, it pushes the disconcerting, disturbing, negative realities out of the way. This doesn't mean agape ignores problems or challenges. It just makes the choice to see beyond the problems and conflicts, to strain forward to see the highest potential that resides in every person. Let's apply this to your children. Perhaps it is true that they are having problems right now or that they have done some things in the past that they shouldn't have, but there is still hope. Today is a new day and agape simply cannot give up believing that they will turn around. Although the past may have been filled with troubling times, the future is bright for those who believe God. Therefore, agape continually presses ahead, full of faith, reaching forward by faith to see the other person whole, sound, healed, saved, redeemed, and right in the middle of God's will for his or her life. You see, the agape love of God just doesn't know how to quit. It hangs on even when the going gets tough. It just keeps believing the very best, no matter what. I think you needed to hear this today. That the agape love of God doesn't give up on you. It doesn't abandon you. It doesn't hold a record of wrongs. The Father continually has come after you. He's continually waited on you. Believed the best about you. And now you have this moment, this transition time in your life, when there are great and glorious things waiting for you. God wants to show up. He wants to blow your mind with how he speaks to you, with how he makes his word come alive, with what he does in your family and in your church, with how he brings your neighbors to Jesus, how he gives your workplace hope. But all of that is hinging on this moment of you coming back home to Jesus. Because you'll experience him. You'll keep walking forward in faith. But why not give him everything? Why not say, okay, I'm going to fully trust you. I'm going to fully believe that even though my heart has been anxious, even though I've been full of stress, I've been hoarding on to my stressors and to my anxieties. I'm going to choose to trust you. 
And I pray and I hope that in taking that step forward into his embrace, he just blows you away with what he does. And so I want to pray for you. Yes, it is that time we get to pray. You're like, yes, I've been waiting this for this moment the entire time. And, uh, and I, I love praying for you. It's just such a joy. And so I would ask if this is for you, if you're praying along with me and you're like, yes, this is me. If you want to leave a review and tell me your testimony, like that's what I feel like reviews should be is like testimonies of what God, God is doing. Right. Uh, or if you want to direct message me, that would be amazing too. I would just love to hear who is praying with me in this? Like who is declaring this in your life? And so if you have felt like, okay, I want to come back home or I am coming back home or I want to trust Jesus, I felt spiritually orphaned, this is the prayer for you, okay? Are you ready? Take a deep breath. We always gotta take some deep breaths because this is really heavy. This is a lot. And I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to feel like, okay, am I gonna be able to trust him? Really? So, Take a deep breath. Father, help. Father, help. Father, help. Jesus, we come to you with so much baggage looming over us. And I know that this woman right here has tried to chuck it off with all of her strength. And she sees the light at the end of the tunnel of this season. She sees hope. She sees joy. She sees your kingdom. She sees a whole new breath of life in this season. And yet it's like she's got these, it's like a camel that she's just holding on to this baggage. And she's like, I don't want it anymore. I don't want this. And yet it's still attached to me and I can't rip it off for the life of me. And it feels like all of that weight is just drowning her. And she's like, I can't move forward. I can't run at the pace that I want to. I can't, I want to let it go. I want to release it. And I'm like, I, I just don't know how. And we know, Lord, that you have been right alongside her in this. You have watched her carry with strength all of those pieces of hardship, all those responsibilities. And I just feel like there's even this sense of like what I've gone through hasn't even just been hard. It's just it's been a lot. There's just been a lot of responsibility that's been on my shoulders this entire time. And it's not necessarily bad responsibility. It's just responsibility. And so even like weight training is really, really good. But when you put on a weight that's triple what you can actually carry, it, you can't do it. And I feel like you've just been there of like, I just, I, it's just too much. It's just been too much. And, and there's this sense that you've been there watching this whole time. And I feel like there's been a, a joy in you, Lord, of watching your daughter's strength train. And even though it's been a hard season, you're like, that's my girl. Like, that's my girl. I just feel like you need to hear that, like, the Lord is proud of you and he is so 
just overwhelmed with like, that's my daughter. Like that's, that's mine. She is strong and she is resilient and she is passionate and she doesn't give up and she is kind. She's a fighter. And so even though you feel like you're drowning and you lost yourself, we've talked about that. You lost yourself in the darkness. The Lord is like, no, no, you never lost yourself. You're not lost. Because I see you. I've had my eye on you this whole time. I've had my eye on you this whole time. And I've just been waiting for the perfect moment. So Jesus, we just ask you to rip away all of these lies that have told this woman that you've abandoned her. That she's been left to survive on her own, to fend for table scraps, to be territorial and hoarding of what she has, that she's not enough and what she's done is not enough, and that she's always going to be in that place of anxiety and isolation. Lord, we just strip away those lies in your name. Holy Spirit, we ask that you administer to her heart. And I, I just ask you to even show her, like, what is this orphan thing that's inside of her right now? Like, where did this come from? Was it starting with the toilet paper <laughs> back years ago where there was the chaotic mindset of like, now you have to fight for your basic survival? Was it at that moment that she partnered with that, that spirit that said, you are now on your own? Or Lord, is there another time in the last couple of years that has made her believe, oh, God doesn't care. Holy Spirit, show her right now what that is. What is that moment? Jesus, we ask that you would show her the exact belief. It was like that flipping over, um, almost on um, a little knob, where they have, you know, a right click and a, and a left click. And I feel like there's a right click of trust in, in the Lord. And then in that moment, it was like it switched, it flipped, and it went to belief in this lie. And like that became the barometer and the, the filter, the preset, if you will, for your life. And so instead of trusting God, you were like, I have to trust this. I have to trust myself. I have to trust social media. I have to trust the president. I have to trust this lie. So Lord, we ask you to show her exactly what that thing was, that belief that she flipped to that became the preset in her life. Lord, we ask you to redeem that moment. I ask you, Jesus, to show her where you were in that moment. So when the enemy came in and tried to tell her what was true and what was reality and what was the situation that she was walking through in his eyes, Lord, we know that you have a completely different perspective on that. So show her what that was. Show her where you were in this situation. And tell her the truth. We know that your truth is that you did not abandon us. You did not forget us. You didn't leave her to rot in her pain and in her stress. Father, I pray that you would minister to her heart today. 
and you would even have that moment like I had that was a true coming back into your arms, letting go of all the record of wrongs, and stepping into this new, trusting, whole, safe, healthy relationship again. Father, I pray that she would have that moment today. And you would embrace her with open arms. We pray that even now in this moment, whether she's in the car or the shower or she's listening at work, wherever she may be, Lord, we just ask that you would encounter her in a profound way. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister to her because we know that there are great and glorious things on the other side of this. There are great and glorious things that reside in the heart of your embrace right now. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister to her in a way that she needs, in a way that her heart has been aching for and begging for and longing for for. We pray that there would be a coming back home in her life right now. In Jesus' name, she is not an orphan. She is not neglected. She is not abandoned. She is not rejected. She is in the heart of the arms of the one who loves her beyond today, forever. Father, we ask that you would bring her back home in your arms. We pray that you would wipe her heart clean of all the offenses and the bitterness and the frustrations, Lord, that have gripped her heart in such sorrow that it has weighed her down. Like I just think of um, uh, something like a box that you want to never see the light of day again, right? And you just throw all these weights on it and you chuck it into the ocean. And I feel like that's what the enemy is trying to do with your heart. He said, bitterness, frustration, anxiety, fear, neglect, all of these things have been like sunk on your heart. And the, and the enemy has not wanted your heart to, to reach the surface again. He wants it to stay at the bottom of the ocean. And so, Lord, we just cut all the strings of those things. We cut the, the string of bitterness and fear and anxiety of frustration. Lord, we cut the string of feeling like we are orphans spiritually and, and for the church. We cut those, those strings in Jesus' name. And we just declare right now, love, that your heart is coming back to the surface. You are fully feeling again. You are fully trusting again. You are full of faith again. That's what that word means, that faith and that belief. Like we just pray that there would be a bubbling up of faith in this season that you were like, I didn't even know that it could see the light of day again. And all of a sudden Jesus is like, nope, there it is right there. And you're just like sailing around, cruising around like on the top of the surface. And I feel like there is such joy and life that is going to be had for you in this season. It's going to be so good. That's what I keep feeling for this season. New wineskins lay hold of a new thing. Things are about to get good. The best is yet to come. Jesus, we ask you to do what only you can do. Rip out that orphan mindset, Lord, graciously. And replace it in this woman with a heart that knows that she is fully loved, fully adored, that you have always believed the best about her. You haven't held on to the past few years and all of her mistakes and all of her shortcomings and pinned them up for her to see all of her shame. You are a God that says, I threw that as far as the east is from the west. That's how much I love you. I just want you to imagine right now what does it look like for God to love you? 
can't wait to ask Jesus, what does it look like for you to love me? We thank you, Jesus, for that love. We thank you, Jesus, that this season is one of coming home. This season is one that is full of faith. As Revelation talks about returning to our first love. And from that return, we will see greater things than we have ever seen. But may we first abide sitting in your lap, hearing your voice. May that be our sweet spot. We thank you, Jesus. You are a good father. You are a good father. We love you. We praise you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Woo! That was an emotional one, wiping the tears from my eyes. I don't know about you, but if this blessed you, if this impacted you, I would love to hear your story, regardless of how. Um, If you direct message me, if you want to leave a review, that would be awesome. If you want to leave a rating or if you want to share this with a friend, there are so many women that I really sense need to hear this message right now who need to have that coming back home moment. So if you would share this with them, spread the word, I would so appreciate it. And I pray that this episode blessed you because it's your time. It's your time to come back home. I love you, lady. Talk soon.